uh, let's let's press record and let's let's talk into these microphones that let's narrate the steps of each podcast. Now, the first thing that you have to do is press on. Yes, make sure you press on, not off. On, that's good. Stop rubbing that mic suggestively. Mm, it's so silver and and plugged in. So, anyway, our list movies. All right, we were in a trance there for a second. These, Thanks of course, are the movies that we've assigned each other for the year, like teachers trying to give each other lessons. Yeah, I think in a way this is this, and now we're kind of at the almost the halfway point. Yeah, we've very watched nearly. about. We've watched about 10 or 11, maybe 12 movies. I'm not sure how many. I'd have to look it up. But we're yeah. near the halfway mark. Yeah. Like, and I can tell we're near the halfway mark because um, you're actually, after this movie that you're talking about today, you're finally going to get into uh, the 1970s. Yeah, the late 20th century. So let's start with me. Okay. Uh, uh, let me start the clock and go. All right, I watched Umberto D by Vittorio De Sica. Yes. Now I should mention that um, previously I assigned you the Bicycle Thief or Bicycle Thieves. Right. Two, also two by De very similar movies in terms of structure and theme. Yeah. And, and, for, and like when I was watching it today, I thought to myself, like, wow, I'm so glad Andrew's watching this. And at the same time, I feel bad I made Andrew watch this in a way, just because like. Well, on the other hand, like at first I thought, well, should I give him two Desica movies? Isn't one enough? Yeah, if you really want to sober people up, show them something by Vittorio Desica. But yeah. let me tell you the story. This is the story of a man uh, in Italy named Umberto. He's played by Carlo Battista. Right, and uh, he's an old, uh, elderly man who uh, is in danger of being evicted from his apartment. Yeah, he was uh he he's like an old pensioner. He right. used to just be he was a worker, he was ha- working hard all his life, but now he's retired. Um and he can't make enough money to make ends meet. And it's about uh he has a small dog named Flake and he's basically trying to live out his life, trying to keep himself from being evicted and uh selling things to pay his rent. But of course, uh it doesn't well, quite end up. Well, that way. well, his landlady basically hates him, and yeah, like she's getting married, and she uh, she doesn't want to rent the apartment to him anymore. So she's uh, not only can he not pay the rent, but she's probably just going to evict him anyway. Yeah, it's like no matter how much, like even if he could get together the money, it's like you know she doesn't really want him there. She's like a she's some kind of opera singer or would be opera singer. Yeah, like she just kind of sings to her friends in her apartment and just keeps everybody awake. Yeah. Um, and the other character is this uh, servant, uh, Maria, who also lives in in the apartment. Right. She's pregnant too. Yeah. She by mentions one that. of two soldiers. She's not yes. sure which. And I and I noticed this. She's not really ashamed of being pregnant. She's ashamed more of the fact that you know the the landlady will probably kick kick her out. Yeah. Like it, I mean, she says it just factually. I mean, it's not made into. Just like with everything else in this movie, nothing is made too melodramatic. There's no melodrama. No, this movie is completely stripped down, and that's the thing that I I responded to so strongly. Yeah, uh, as in with The Bicycle Thief, this is a movie focusing on people with real problems, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly insurmountable problems that are just really common, and it really gets you to feel sympathy for these people because they're on hard times, and they go through this very slow decline, getting more and more desperate until you get finally until you get to the last scenes where uh, it seems like everything's about to really crush them. 
And yeah. and it's easy to identify with them because I mean we've all had problems where you know with a job or with uh, you know with family or financial matters, and you can see part of yourself in these. A people. lot of us have had pets. Yeah, that you know you, this is a, this is a movie for dog owners. Oh God, just like Marley and me, but this this is a much better one. Oh, this is like you know this this makes Old Yeller look like Pap by comparison. <laughs> Umberto looks at Old Yeller and is like, get out of the way. Shoo. I'll show you how this is done. You want to write a depressing movie with a dog? I'll show you a depressing movie with a dog. And it's interesting, though, because it's like the the dog doesn't really work its way until maybe the second half. The dog becomes more and more important as, as, uh, as Umberto's fortunes decline. Yeah, because, I mean. He doesn't really have he has he as he says up front he doesn't have really any family he doesn't have he has no a son, brother no he has son no wife no yeah he doesn't have anybody except his dog and if you've had a pet in your life you know if unless if your dog's a jerk uh, <laughs> hopefully it's hopefully he's not hopefully then you get rid of it but um but even for you I mean I know you had a rabbit yeah but I, and I'm not a dog person but you know this is uh. I mean, this dog really uh, got to me. Oh like, God! That dog is there from the beginning. Like at the, in, in the first scene, it's uh, it's Umberto and a whole bunch of uh, old pensioners protesting for an increase in their pensions, and the police break them up. And Umberto's got his dog on a leash, barking. And one of the guys says, says "Keep your dog quiet, or we'll be arrested." Yeah. It's like, and no matter where he goes, he uh, Flake is always with him. Mm. Except for one one part in the middle of the movie where he Flake runs away. Well, what happens is is that Umberto gets sick and he's in the hospital for a little bit. He gets out and he's, he's barely sick though. He only does it just so that he can get some free food. He does and, do that. Yeah, uh, he has like tonsillitis. Yeah, he's fine. It, it, it's funny watching the movie again, like on a personal level, like the scene where he like the 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 ambulance comes and he's kind of like. He's not in a rush to go, I and mean, he's kind of just like, let me get my suitcase, and you know, and he, I, I kind of thought back to my grandmother and how really? she used to do this kind of thing, where she would go to the emergency room, even though she wasn't really that sick. Yeah. And it was basically kind of an ex- like, not excuse, but like she would just ha- like kind of wait there with my uh, my mother, and then like they'd be kind of done looking at her, and she's like, all right, let's go to the diner. Yeah. <laughs> of course, this is different though because Umberto doesn't have anybody, but. The way that he's getting ready for it, it's kind of like this is his vacation yeah. <laughs> to go to the hospital where, like, you know what was interesting in that scene, too, was you see a little bit of Umberto Di's character in a big way of, like, this guy is, you know, he's really down on his luck, but what you get through the movie, and I think this was similar in Bicycle Thieves, you what's endearing is that they're trying to hold their humility, they're trying to hold what themselves intact they're trying not to go low like yeah. umberto's probably like he, there's you know, he he has trouble sometimes asking for things throughout right. the movie he, like he runs into old co-workers and stuff like in the street in certain parts of the movie yeah and he kind of sort of asks them for money but they don't you know nobody helps him out right and and, and he, yet at and the same t- but at the same time he doesn't want to beg yeah he tries to to beg in a way uh, he gets he gets Flake to hold his hat and stand up on his hind paws. That might be so, my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, and he like stands at a distance at, at in in front of the Pantheon. Yeah, in Rome, uh, <laughs> and he's like among the columns trying to be like be, be like a safe distance away so people yeah. will put money in the hat. That's not at all dramatic. No, 
Oh, and it's like and it's heartbreaking because it's, a, it's, it's like a silent film he, scene. He's yeah, he's clearly like he's thinking about begging, and like the one time he kind of like holds his hand out, and then as a man's trying to go tries to put money he in his, his hand, hand down. he puts his hand down. And, and it's very carefully done. Yeah, it's very like poetic. There's a lot of poetry. You know, it was an interesting scene for me seeing it again. Uh, was there's like this kind of little stretch where um, with the character Maria, mostly you see her in scenes with Umberto. Sort Maria's of like, the maid. Yeah, Maria. We talked about Maria. Right. Like she's she's the servant. She's the maid in the house. Um, you know, she's the one who's kind of like the closest thing to a friend that Umberto has. There's this one moment, like she, like while we're waiting for the Umberto's called the ambulance and we're waiting for them to come, we're just kind of following Maria in her apartment, and she's just kind of doing things like she's setting the stove she's making coffee and she looks down at her stomach and you know it's just i'm wondering what you thought about that because it seems like a scene where you might think there's nothing going on here and yet to me when i watched that i think the the point of that scene is this is going to be the rest of her life Mm. maybe i hadn't thought of it that way i it could be like she's in this sort of repetitive routine you know, she doesn't well, have she, anyone to love her. Well, she's in as much of a precarious situation as Umberto. Yeah, is. well, she I mean, looks down at her stomach and she, she's, she's like, a "What maid do I do?" And she, you know, as soon as the landlady finds out that she's pregnant, she's going to get fired, yeah. and she can't go back home because she says her father is going to beat her. And as soon as she gets fired, where's she going to go? She's going to mm. be just in, uh, in as she's going to be almost as desperate as Umberto is. Yeah, uh, and with a child too. And neither of the soldiers she she's been sleeping with are gonna probably gonna help her either. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, let's get back to Flake though, <laughs> because I think that Flake the dog is is really the soul of this movie. In a way, yeah, in a big I, way. In the middle, like Umberto goes to the hospital and he finds out from Maria that uh, Flake ran away. Well, so, that's after he gets out. Well, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but and, he finds out in the hospital, and that's probably part of the oh reason God. why he leaves. When he goes to the like the dog pound, yeah, he goes to the dog pound, and he oh, finds man. out like, and he God, sees the place sad. where the dogs are euthanized, and it's he, it's an oven. Uh, well, it's practically it's a, little, it's a little chamber for them to suffocate the dogs. <laughs> yeah, and they just wheel a cage into the in there with all the dogs, and he's looking to make sure one of them isn't Flake, and then like uh, he, he sees like. He sees Flake like in like a new shipment of dogs, and he instantly just like runs up to him, yeah, and grabs him, and the music swells, yeah, like a really great use of music, and it's like it's I wrote this down, it was like it's it's a little triumph in the movie. There are a lot of little triumphs in the movie. Nothing else gets solved, but like he's got his dog back. I feel like I don't know if we're rushing ahead, but like to talk about. The end of the movie, to me, is, like, that has kind of a little triumph at the end. After, like, so much pain has happened. Well, it's like the bicycle thief. I mean, in the bicycle thief... I think, in a way, the ending of this movie is more hopeful than the bicycle thief. I didn't mean to interrupt you, though. I'm sorry. I'd say they're similar in two ways. Um, At the end of the bicycle thief, uh, this man, uh, he he has no hope of getting his bicycle back. He's desperate. He needs a job. So, and he steals a bicycle that he finds, and he gets arrested. Yeah. And and his son is is right there next to him, like, uh, and the man he stole the bicycle from is like, all right, I don't want to press charges. Like, this guy's son is right here, and both the father and the son walk off, you know, really upset, but they have each other. They do, yeah. Right, and and and. In Umberto D, uh, Umberto he tries to give away his dog a few times, and 
eventually, and we know it's building to his to his suicide. He's he's thinking about killing himself. He's thought about that multiple times. That's why he it, he tries to give the dog away. Yeah, he tries to get pay some people to take care of it, but as soon as his money runs out, they're gonna just run him off into the streets. He tries to give it away to a little girl, uh, and uh, and eventually, Flake is all he has, and he's about to, and he, he's about to step in front of a train. And that's that's the moment where Flyke is has been following him the whole time. It's that moment where he's kind of trying to run away from him. Yeah, he runs away, and the train doesn't hit Umberto, and Umberto starts following Flyke, and yeah. they start playing together, and that's the end of the movie. So it's like, it's like the bicycle thieves. The father and the son had each other, and Umberto I, has Flyke. I feel like the end of, in a weird way, as Umberto D overall is a, is a sadder movie. I, I cried multiple times watching this movie again, but I feel like the very end, like, is in a weird, it's just slightly more hopeful than it's in a weird way because it's still sad. Yeah, Umberto D has nothing to no. compare. Like, we don't know what's going to happen to him. He might be a hobo. Um, the end of the bicycle thief. Yeah, they have each other, but they're like walking off together, and it's like in a way, it's a very similar ending. You're watching both characters kind of walking away from the camera. Yeah, into the distance. Into the distance. We don't know what's going to happen to them, but it's, I, I will say that. But at least in the outwardly. end of Umberto D, it's like we're actually playing. We actually have some kind of happiness. Yeah, he looks happy. It's it's a joyful ending, even though nothing is solved. Umberto's on the street. Yeah. Uh, and, but, and who knows what will happen to him. But he has Flake. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make everything better, but it makes things a little better. He, you know, Flake, you know... They're, they're, when, you know, when you have nothing else, the little things that you have are... More important than yeah. ever. Well, Umberto, yeah, he. Re I think he finally realizes that, even though he's loved Flyke all this time. Obviously, at that moment, you know, he doesn't die. He's still there, and he looks around. He's like, "Where's my dog?" Yeah. So, in a way, the Flyke, when you say he's the soul of the movie, that's that that's spot on because, you know, without Flyke, he really would have nothing. Yeah, and it's and this is a movie I think which is still relevant nowadays. I mean, it takes place in Italy. It's an Italian film, subtitles, black and white, but. There are still people who struggle. There are people who struggle every day, and they're on. And, and there are people who don't nothing. who are alone in the world. Mm -hmm. And this is this and the Bicycle Thief are just two films that you know. I have to keep bringing up the Bicycle Thief because they are just so similar. Uh, it just gives you a, a moment to look into the lives of people who are in, in who are really desperate. Yeah, and it doesn't sugarcoat anything. But it's a good movie because there's still a little bit of hope. And there, it gets you to think about There's uh, no fake people. technique, too. There, there's yeah. nothing to try and, like, falsely move your heartstrings. Like, I haven't seen Marley and Me, but I kind of picture that movie has a couple of scenes where the filmmakers, you know, try to gel your heartstrings a little yeah. bit. You know, like yeah. in Hollywood bullshit terms. This movie has no Hollywood shit bullshit. It doesn't even have professional actors. Just like The Bicycle Thief, um, Carlo Batista, Batista, who plays Umberto D, he was like a professor. Uh, I watched an interview with the real actress Maria um, uh, Pia Casillo, and she was just like going like as with a friend to like an audition, and Vittorio De Sica literally saw her and went... You're my actress. Yeah. Just, like, her and Mel Gibson have something in common. <laughs> Their careers started by a director going, yes, you. Um, but, and you wouldn't know it. No, they, but they're, they're, they, they the, do it 
it's not like they're asking for them to to you know just to go crazy and act it up. It's just really heartfelt and uh, I don't know what else to say. It's a masterpiece. It's You're one right. of my favorites. I'm glad you watched it in time. All right, Jack. We're <laughs> now, gonna go on to your movie and we're gonna lighten stuff up. Oh yeah, because we're, we're gonna, gonna talk about one of my favorite movies of all time. We're talking about. I it. am pumped. We're we're talking about it again because we actually talked about this on our very first episode when we talked about our but top five movies. You're right, and it deserves to be talked but about this again time because it's one of the best it. movies of all time. What movie is that, Jack? Um. Uh, Serrano de Bergerac. No, I'm <laughs> I will punch you. <laughs> the Adventures of Robin Hood. Yeah! <laughs> I should have put, like, I should have put on sunglasses. Yeah! <laughs> okay. Uh, first thing I want to say. Um, all right, now, I, as you know, I've, I, I didn't grow up with this movie. And I first saw this movie the first time this week. Um, you know, as a kid, uh, my Robin Hood movies were uh, the Disney Robin Hood and uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Disney Robin Hood was my first Robin Hood, too. Yes. That's the one I grew up with. Okay. Oh, so you didn't... When did you first see this movie? I must have seen this when I was in my late teens. Okay. Uh, I mean, I wish I had maybe seen this as a kid. It's a real boys movie. Yes! You know what I mean? It's a movie, like, for boys who want to go out and have fun. You know, it's kind of like that. Like, um, an example of that... Uh, Wait. What's the movie. the movie about? Well, uh... <laughs> For those who don't know, okay, King Richard is off in the Crusades. Uh, he's kidnapped uh, by the enemy, uh, pr and in this interim time, Prince John uh, takes over the rule of England. Um, Prince John played by Claude Rains. Claude Rains, and he's not called the Sheriff. He's called a different name, Guy uh, of Basil Rathbone. Yeah, Guy of Giz Gisborne. He's, Why is uh, that? He's one of the characters from like the Robin Hood stories. Uh, he's not... Rathbone is Sir Guy of Gisborne. So he is. And he's the a sheriff of Nottingham. He... Oh, so they're too. different. He's oh, that sort of bumbling, fattish guy who works with uh, Richard. Who oh, works that's with John. the sheriff. Yeah. Uh, guy of Gisborne. All right. Anyway, but so they take... Rathbone's great. Yeah. Well, they take over and they start raising the taxes to ridiculous lengths, and they're they're really imposing iron will because Prince John, uh, you know, he's gonna pump everyone for all the taxes they're worth right um but and enter who stands in their way robin of loxley who played by mr errol flynn say it again errol flynn yes <laughs> okay i love this movie okay well let me get to that because i i loved it too um now he he comes in uh and he's gonna stop and he he, you know, he kind of is witness when he comes in. His entrance, he has a couple of great entrances in this movie. Yes. Uh, involving the king's deer. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of wondered, by the way, why they were, why was it royal deer? Was it well, just because the they were on the property? The king owns all of England. Literally, he owns all of England. So everything in it belongs to the king. So You have to have permission to okay. hunt in, in medieval England. That's interesting. And that's a great detail. Remember how I was talking about the films of Ridley Scott, how they they don't get the details right? Yeah. This thing is full. It's not historically accurate at all. <laughs> no, it's not. But it has the historical details all the way down to the language. It has the details that matter for the story. Right. Um, so basically, like, Robin Hood is, you know, he, he declares to the monarch, the marquis, all right, I'm going to oppose you and make a revolt. And, and they're course, going to make him an outlaw! 
No, and this time he just says, we're going to make him an outlaw. Which yeah. is how it should be said. <laughs> okay, you know, so, yeah, like I said, I wish I had seen this as a kid because, again, my Robin Hood when I was growing up as a kid, um, in a way, I was kind of, I, I got like the postmodern Robin Hood at a young age. Yeah. Because I got the Robin Hood that was making fun of this movie. Yeah. I mean, I got, I saw the scene where he brings in the deer and throws it on the table in the Mel Brooks movie first. Yes. Which is a funny scene in that movie, by the way. Have you seen Men Tights? Not yet. I Now I'm going to punch you. <laughs> you need to watch that movie, Andrew. Okay. Um, you know what I like about this movie? First thing, they don't waste much time with this story. They go right into it. Yeah. Very you know? simple story. Very simple story. Um, you know, it's... Uh, you know, And also, I like... They, do, they have really good scenes setting up Robin Hood meeting his Merry Men... The way that he meets Prince John on that log. And, no, uh, Little John. Little John, sorry. not Prince. There are two Johns. Okay. Yeah, the scene with Little John is a really sorry. is a really good scene. You were talking about uh, you know, this being a boyish movie. That's a scene where like they they meet up and they're going to fight each other and they're fighting with sticks. Like, they're yeah. kind of laughing the whole time. Yeah, it's all like a big, it's all like a game to them. Yeah. Like, they're not really fighting for any reason. It's like, oh, I'm going to go across the log first. No, I'm going to go across the log first. All right, let's fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, and, uh, you know, they're, they have banter back and forth. They're laughing. When Robin goes into the water, they're all just like, <laughs> Yeah, they're all laughing the whole yeah. time. The other one I want to mention that is Friar Tuck's intro. Yes. Where... Oh, Friar Tuck's played, played by Eugene Pallet. Who was who is a character actor? He was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, okay, and a bunch of other movies. Like he yeah. has, he was a big character actor of the 1940s. He has a great voice. Yeah, he has a voice like this, and I'm I'm doing a bad imitation, but it's it's gravelly. If you had started with that, you would have saved yourself a wedding. Yes, yeah. That's also a fun intro because don't they go into like the water? And yeah, they're having. It that. starts out basically like just a big practical joke. Yeah, they're kind of. He's playing a joke on Friar Tuck. He's kind of. Isn't he sleeping by a tree? He's sleeping and and he's fishing. Yeah, and Robin Hood just drops a fish in his lap. Yeah, lap. like also the, I this weird. My notes I wrote down what clean action. Yeah. Like you always, you know, it has such drive and force, but you always know what's going on. Contrast that again with like a Ridley Scott Robin Hood, where yeah, that might have a lot of intense action scenes. Yeah, but compared action, to that, yeah. it's almost like that's trying too hard. Here, there's like an elegance to it. The choreography is just like, oh, you know what's something else I wrote, and I wanted to get your take on this. I think without this movie, uh, we wouldn't have Star Wars. You're right. I think this has such like as much as like matinee serials and Kurosawa had uh, an impact on that. I think without this movie, this like the the relations with the the, the way that characters are depicted and the way that you know we're trying the very light way in which the we talk way. about a rebellion against the evil empire. Uh, you know the sort of the sense of adventure. Yes. And, and heroism for heroism's sake. Yeah, and efficient storytelling. There's barely a scene wasted in this movie. Yeah. You know, everything keeps moving on at a great pace. Um, I also really liked Olivia de Havilland. Yes. One thing I liked in her, I feel like in a way, she's the character that has to grow the most in this yeah, movie. Yeah, she is. Because Robin she starts is... off like, she starts off as snobbish royalty. She's the one who, you know, she's she kind of is... She's sort of ambushed by Robin Hood and his merry men in the woods, and she's kind of taken along to this party that they're having. Yeah. And uh, would you call it a party or a gathering or 
whatever that is. They're, they're just they're like, just having they're fun feasting. and they're eating. And at first, she's kind of like, I find this revolting or disgusting. She's like, she uses nope. Yeah, but then you know, but then Robin Hood shows her the other side. Like, no, we're ac- we're actually helping people. There are yeah. a lot of people who have been tortured by this monarch. Yeah, and you know, wh- wh- who else is going to help them? Right, and you're right. She has to change the most. Robin is consistent. All he has to do throughout the film is decide to to form a band of outlaws and then just do his thing. Olivia de Havilland, she like uh, her her uh, Lady Marion. She has to, you know, she changes from you know. Uh, she never had to think about like the problems yeah, that other the people are having to deal with. She's she, just like a lady that lives in she's royalty. Just, yeah, she's just a noble woman, rarely outside the castle. She hasn't seen regular people, and then she finally sees the regular people, yeah. and she's like, okay. Mm-hmm. But she's not just like compliant. She she gives she has great dialogue. She does with, with Errol Flynn. Like he has the best they lines. Have, well, they have great is, chemistry. Yeah, they do. They have great chemistry. It was kind of interesting how uh, through most of the movie she has her head covered. Yeah, maybe in just like one or two scenes, you see her hair. Yeah, there is one scene where she she has her, like her hair out into like huge braids. Um, I uh uh just a couple of all right. Two. I hear that's oh like an actress trick to make sure that you don't have to do your hair every time when you get on set. That could be. I mean, I guess it works for the character. Um. Yeah. I mean. All right. Um. A couple. All right. So I'll I'll get back to what I love in the movie. Just a couple of tiny nitpicks. All right. Please Give don't kill me. me. Okay. Nope. Now again, this I won't isn't kill you all. these. All right, in two scenes, in the the archery tournament scene, and in King Richard's reveal, um, their disguises ain't fooling anybody. No, they're, they're <laughs> Robin Hood shows up to this tournament. He has on a hat. <laughs> <laughs> anybody who looks at him would know right away. Like that's the one thing. Like all right, I. The one thing I will say is much better in the Mel Brooks and Robin Hood movies. The cost, the, the their their disguises are much better. Like Robin Hood comes as a bird in the Disney one, yeah. And in Men in Tights, there's actually a joke which I'll just tell you. Like when, like he shows up to the archery tournament, and this is the exchange between the sheriff and Prince John. That old man is Loxley. Are you sure? He looks like Mark Twain. <laughs> <laughs> See, don't you want to watch this movie now? Yeah, that, that's pretty good. Okay, so that's uh, that's my one nitpick is that all right when like Richard when Richard reveals himself, I I laughed out loud like literally. I was like, really? Well, I mean, I I, I, I would argue fine. in the King Richard one, it's like, well, no one knows what King Richard looks like. I don't know how about many that. Fe- how many people we haven't seen him in the movie, and how many other people have actually seen him? They probably saw him like speaking to the public. Maybe I don't think that happened very often. Okay, but, but you agree about Robin Hood's moment. All right. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a great disguise, but I don't think that was the point. No, it's still a fun I, they sequence. Were gonna, they were still going to figure out who he was because he was the best archer at the tournament. That was the whole point of the scene. He split Philip's arrow. The What is your name, Archer? Godfrey of Sherwood, Your Highness. How is it that a tinker learns so well the use of arms? Even a peaceful tinker must protect himself these days, Your Highness. Treachery and other unpleasant things. It's earned you more than you bargained for today. I can't believe that Basil Rathbone was also Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, well, 
<laughs> it shows his versatility for sure. I haven't really seen that many of his Sherlock Holmes performances, but he's really good here as the guy of Gisbane. Yeah, he, guy, yeah, he's a he's a great villain. Yeah, it's like where you know Claude Rains is basically playing like the you know he's playing very snidely. He's very like slimy. In yeah. this movie, you know, he's he's the one who's like, I am the king. But even though he's he's slimy, he's still impressed by Robin. Like kind Robin of. makes that entrance where he carries that deer yeah. and throws it right on the table. He's like, Robin, I like you. Yeah, yeah, he <laughs> is. He just like, and the reason he doesn't arrest him right there is because like, let's see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, he is so charming and so believably charming. That's that Prince John doesn't do anything until it's yeah. too late. Yeah, like there's a touch of Robin Hood, like he, like why he's so like Errol Flynn is so enjoyable here in part. Like he has a touch of like early Bugs Bunny or something. Yeah, like the way that he gets out of jams, like how you know he he's constantly like tricking the enemy, which is a lot of fun to watch. Do you have a favorite line from this film? Like anything that that you, that you love from this? Quick, there's a traitor trying to get out. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, that's something I wrote down. Oh, mine is from an earlier part where he sits down and he, and he tells off Prince John and Olivia Havilland just says, Why, wow, you speak treason. And he says, fluently. <laughs> oh, I did write another line I liked a lot. Um, uh, death. You think the sentence extremely lenient. Yes. <laughs> I forget what context it was. but I know. They arrest him and they tell him they're yeah. going to hang him. But, like, again, like when I mentioned about Star Wars, like... You know that mo- moment in uh, when they're on the Death Star and Han Solo is running from the stormtroopers, and you know you see the stormtroopers like close the blast doors, yes. and then he gets in, they close the blast doors, like open the blast door, open yes. the blast door. Yes, that's very Robin Hood. Yeah, that's so Robin Hood. Um, oh man, I just wish you have to like go into like the early the 40s again and the 30s to really see movies like this. Again. It's a lush like adventure movie that. It's it's interesting because it takes itself seriously, but it's very but it's but it's sincerely lighthearted. It's that kind of thing where it's 1938 and it's in full color, classic Technicolor. I love the look of this movie. It's like you see everything's very green. They're shooting in like what I think is pro- if not real outdoor photography, then they're you know on a good set, right? And um, that adds to the feeling when they're when Robin Hood is out and out and about. And this movie has. I could say it almost has it all, I mean, but it has close to it. I mean, it has a little bit of romance. The scene where Robin Hood comes in the middle of the night to Maid Marian, that's a great scene. Yeah. You know, and they finally kind of And that's a kiss. scene that's really great because I mean, everyone talks about strong female characters. Yeah. And that word just like gets thrown around as if it's meaningless. But a little bit Olivia like Lady Marilyn. No. Olivia de Havilland. She has a purpose to serve. Like, Robin comes up to her window and he says, come with me to Sherwood and marry me. And he's like, she's like, I'd love to do that, but I've got a better idea. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to find out information and make sure that, you know, we can help King Richard. And he's like, all right, that's a good plan. And then the next scene, she overhears something important and is able to to really, you know, save save, uh, King Richard. Mm. And... She does something, unlike Kate Blanchett in Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. Huh. Well, she's there to, like, serve him food. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I remember that she did. Like, he was, like, resting at her place, and she talked with him. Yeah. And things. I, you have to do something to advance the plot or 
yeah. or, or affect the plot. The plot way. is constantly... It's, the movie's 100 minutes long, like I said, and there's nothing wasted yeah. here. Like Everything is advancing it, or at least adding some little bit of like light-hearted color. Yeah. Like, the thing I remember most of this movie is men going, ha 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 Ooh, another favorite Oh, you know what was a great sight? There's a moment when they were preparing to, uh, I guess, do an ambush, and it's merry men. They're climbing up a tree. Yeah. Just that shot is great. Let's talk about other shots. The shots in the action where people are actually hit by arrows. Yeah. Those are not special. They are special effects in a way because... I'm sure they had Those are stuntmen being shot with arrows. (laughs) Yeah. Heavily padded suits mm-hmm. but it's a real arrow you're shot not by seeing a, a real archer no cgi a real shot. man yeah <laughs> yes and of course this is 1938 so we don't get blood but we don't have to no it would break it like you know in a way this is the, this is a family film in a real sense of the word like you, you know you watch it with your kids and they'll enjoy the peril and the fighting if you have boys and you show this movie to them they'll want to like go out and immediately bump sticks together yes um you know it's uh, I don't know, how much time do I have left? 30 seconds. Oh, okay. Um, so, I, I I just think, why can't action spectacles be why this can't efficient? We have any, why, why can't you know, we have efficient, good-looking... This is an epic yes. film. This is an epic film at 100 minutes. Yes. We don't get that much anymore. Oh, even God. Even Mad Max, which I loved, was two hours. This does so much in such a short amount of time... Uh, I think that anybody who's preparing to do, like, an action spectacle movie should be required to watch this. Yes. And that's, uh, I really like this a lot. Who's this guy? Oh, don't worry, he's one of us. One of us? He looks like three of us. <laughs> Was that a line in it, too? Yeah, they were talking about Friar Chuck. He's oh, a very yeah. large man. Yeah, oh, and I, I, I neglected to mention it, but the music is really good. You're right. It's really right. rousing. Those are our list movies. Yes, and now I have finally See? seen Robin Hood... And you should see it too. If you're if you're feeling fatigue from you know big summer movies, if you're feeling a little wary of your you know Jurassic Worlds and Terminator Jennies. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Calm down, Grandpa. <laughs> I like Robin Hood. So, Umberto D and Robin Hood uh, Adventures of Robin Hood. Check them out. Yeah, you, we've given you today. I think the sort of spectrum of. Uh, you know the two faces in theater of the smile and the the sad face. Well Maybe. said. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna get to our main discussion about anniversaries. Peace.